Hello and welcome to Making UX Work. I am Joe Natoli. Our focus here is on folks like you doing the tough, often unglamorous work of UX in the real world. My guests share their struggles, their successes, and their journey to and through the trenches of product design, development, and of course, user experience. Before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Stash Studio, a streetwear clothing brand focused on quality products with a positive message, inspired by the resilience to turn a negative situation into a positive outcome, something obviously very close to my heart for those of you that know me. The Stash mantra is that even in the darkest times, there is a light revealing prosperity. Find your light, let it guide you through the darkness. Visit stash.studio to check out their incredibly well-designed products and learn more. My guest today is Hida Bezadi. While she is a graphic designer by trade, she has also worked as a creative director, a UX strategist, a design lecturer, and she continues to work as an art instructor. And in addition to her design acumen, Hida is an accomplished fine artist whose work possesses remarkable emotional and visual depth. And as I think you'll hear, she approaches all things with a wonderful, positive curiosity, passion, and great care. For Hita, any job that is closer to design, to service, to culture, and to helping humanity is an ideal job. Here's my conversation with Hita Bazzotti on Making UX Work. So, Hita, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. How are you, Joe? I'm very good. I, I often complain, but I shouldn't. <laughs> We all do. We all do. <laughs> we were just talking a minute ago, actually, about um, being busy and, and learning to take breaks. And, and you said a few interesting things uh, about that. And just in terms of how we're all sort of stuck in front of computers yes. all day. I, I want to talk a little bit more about that. It, it's kind of a conundrum, right? Where we're sort of physically, physiologically, psychologically, probably emotionally, we're not really built to do what we're sort of forced to do all day with the advent of, of digital technology, not just our jobs, right? But like we were talking about social media as well. The fact that you're constantly in front of a screen all day. I mean, how do you reconcile that with, or, or find balance between that and I, I don't know, living. <laughs> Are you asking me? That yeah. Um, I, I want the, the secrets. <laughs> the, the, the first, the first and straightforward and most honest question is I struggle. Yeah. I struggle with that, um, which is somewhat what the part of the topic that you sent me a note about initially was. Um, I try to catch myself when I'm too connected yeah. because I realize all of a sudden, oh, my God, I'm swimming in this virtual <laughs> world. And I'm enjoying it when I do that, obviously, because probably I'm one of the many, many, many people in the world that are addicted now. <laughs> uh, for certain reason, we have to be addicted to this yeah, thing. Yeah. So, but I try to catch myself and understand, oh my God, how many other things in the analog world have I not done when I was connected? And I try to intentionally put the phone down. So you would see once in a while, oh, at the moment I'm more... Uh, more active on Instagram, uh, if you want to talk about social media. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm a very visual person, obviously, because I'm all about design and art and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I actually just put more of my art 
on my Instagram because I feel that's something that is more tangible for people and maybe even more healing sometime because I have that aspect to my to my work as I want people to be happier to see color things like that so yeah, but yeah yeah, yeah. I, and I would agree with that <laughs> seeing as someone who has seen a lot of your work and is absolutely in love with it I think that's very true I think that emotional <laughs> aspect and he, even the healing aspect that you're talking about and the positivity the humanness, humanity, whatever you want to call it, I, I think really, really comes through in your work. So I, I think that's a that's a good thing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. So I try to, but even with that, I try to once in a while just disconnect and tell myself that what you need to disconnect because you have something more important. Like today you have to talk to Joe. You just disconnect from that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or for a week or like I feel that... Um, I get malaise or like I get a little bit sick if I'm looking too much, if I'm doing too much. And then I intentionally put it aside. But it is a continuous struggle because I am not a very, um, I'm not as good as like some business people that are really strict on their hours and time and stuff like that. So <laughs> I try. Me I, either. I, <laughs> <laughs> I should be, but I'm not. I, I just, I've never been that person i mean and i guess i'm a, I'm a right brain person as well i mean i was an artist and a musician before i was anything so I, there's sort of this i don't know if you feel this but i sort of have this natural resistance to too much structure it's almost like i can't function <laughs> i love to have a structure it's just that maybe i don't know how to word it maybe what you said is correct it's as if something in my brain resists mm -hmm. against it i try i do try and i Sometimes physical structure is easier for me. So I start with that, like mm -hmm. Marie Kondoing thing, you know. So <laughs> if, I can, um, if I can organize things or group them, if my uh, physical surrounding is calmer, then therefore I am doing better. I'm more organized. I also try to inject certain uh, things that is scheduled by other people into my into my schedule that kind of keeps me on my toes to be more organized with my time so for example I take gym classes not just going to the gym doing things so that puts in a structure on mm -hmm. my schedule so I kind of become bound to okay this day at this time I need to be at the gym interesting so that 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 helps me to organize the rest of my life around things that are scheduled already you know if that makes any sense it does i mean i i am sitting here thinking i wish that worked for me because <laughs> because, <laughs> because i've tried it it's a bit like with exercising in particular right yeah i've tried taking classes i've done yoga in the past which i love all right it's not like i, I dislike any of these things something happens when, even when something's on the schedule it's like i'm i'm that much more resistant to it for some reason <laughs> i don't know why so it, I, I think every person needs to get to know themselves. But I, all, with all of the things that I said, I didn't, I didn't say any of those to tell you that I'm a really organized person. No, no, no. That's that. I said all of those to tell you that. <laughs> Thank I, God. I, I feel that I'm very. I I struggle to be organized because the rest of the world, <laughs> it seems, at least it seems to me, the people who are, let's call them more successful are more organized. Mm, I don't think that's true. I, I think yeah, that's an I, I think that's appearances. That that too as well. Yeah. Maybe. What, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't partly, say that. I think partly. But as as I coming to like I'm getting as I age and I get older and older, I understand that if I have a um, better schedule for my sleep, for example, mm. 
then I, I do better if I, if I am sticking to it or if I have even for eating, like if I have a schedule for not not time wise, but I know exactly that I have everything prepared. You know, if things are prepared, let's call it this way. If I'm prepared for the situations, I tackle things easier. But that needs a little bit of organization for you to be prepared for something. Mm -hmm. So anytime I'm not prepared, I get stressed. I fall behind. I yeah. do things, you know, in a different way. So anyways, I, uh, do you we're have trying any, to figure it out. Yeah. Do you have any particular routines that you do? Is there anything that you do on a daily basis to sort of help yourself stay that way? And the reason I ask is because, I mean, just from outward appearances, I mean, to me, you always have a lot going on. You're, you're, you seem to be, you seem to be very prolific. Number one, um, in your, in your artwork where you're constantly creating, at least that's the way it seems. I mean, you're, you're lecturing, you're teaching courses. Um, you know, you've worked, you're working as a, as a creative director. Um, you've got gallery showings here and there. I know. What do you do on, on a daily or weekly basis to try and, to try and not, not just keep all that organized, but to make sure that it happens. A very good question, and maybe one that actually, if other people listen, that might have similar struggle to all of us, to, to you, to me. Uh, part of this, as you said, is appearance. What mm. you see out there is the appearance. So maybe one of the main things that is happening is I make sure that I have a, I have a continuous flow of stuff coming onto social media, to mm -hmm. Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Um, part of those are not from today. Sometimes I get these messages from people that say, oh, are you in Montreal right now? Or are you in Chicago? So yeah. people get confused. Where are you? How many shows <laughs> are you going to? I'm jealous of you. Actually, no, I'm not in Chicago. But I was, like, say, maybe a month ago or six months ago. And I produce so much material when I'm on the move. Like, I take continuously take pictures, which mm -hmm. is too much. Like, I have about 30,000 pictures probably on my phone wow. today. Uh, yes, it's a scary because I, I do too much that I don't have time to read it out even. So I, I worry for myself <laughs> what happens next, you know. <laughs> Make sure you back up. <laughs> oh, I, my hope is that somewhere in, in, in Arizona, Apple is doing that or something. I don't know. So somebody's backing <laughs> it up somewhere. And so I, part of what you see is really the appearance um, and so I have been, no, I, I actually took a break from work since the start of September when the school year start, mm -hmm. started. So if you might from outside think that I am doing a lot of creative direction and I'm doing UX and I'm doing this and that, in reality, it's just the appearance because how would you know the rest of it? You yeah, know? that's true. Yeah, only if you talk to me one-on-one, -on -one, then you would understand, oh, okay, actually she's not doing I can tell you that I'm continuously keeping myself busy. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But what am I keeping myself busy is a different question. <laughs> so yeah. it's not necessarily creative direction and this and that, you know. So uh, sometimes I need a downtime. So I had been taking, I have been taking that downtime since September, taking courses instead and connecting more with my friends and tightening my circle of support around me and, um, attending to my wellness mm -hmm. and exercise and and all of that because I feel that I need to regroup. I need to understand what my next move for job is. I have to be whole before I can give anymore. Sure. So that's uh, that's the reality of it. So it looks like everything is balanced and perfect from outside, but 
there is a whole lot of struggle in everybody's life and in mine too. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly, I certainly believe that. I mean, do you, this this is going to seem like an obvious question, um, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Please do. Do you think it's a little dangerous that that sort of false sense of of um, having it all together that gets projected, particularly on on social media, where people sort of think that you know you're you're in complete command of your life and you're accomplishing all these things and then they start to feel bad about themselves. Like, well, why can't I do that and get to that level as well? And I say that because I spend a portion of every week responding to people, you know, whether it's um, direct messages or email or, or, or something, sort of patiently explaining, like, look, it's, it's not all perfect and ordered and easy and simple, you know? <laughs> a mm-hmm. lot of this is hard. There are a lot of bumps in these roads. It's not what it appears to be, as, as you just said. It's not this perfect realm where my life just sort of sails by and and, and uh, all this stuff magically takes care of itself. It doesn't work that way. But but do you think it's dangerous that we're sort of living in this time, at least where it appears that, hey, your life should be simple. Why isn't it? Must be your fault, <laughs> you know? Yeah, why aren't you perfect? Yeah. <laughs> Does it feel that way? Uh, I think you are right. It is dangerous and it quickly makes me to think that I have to be on the guilty seat partly for something like that. Because as much as I want to be aware that there seemed to be this competition for, um, it's like in marketing, right? We are, we are having, we are all having a marketing front. Yeah. Uh, if I want to look at some of the uh, giants on doing that, like, like you saw a post from a- about Andy Warhol the other day on my feed, mm-hmm. that, they have learned to be an artist and a commercial artist and a designer and a whatever, but the, the front is very g- glamorous, you know? So yeah, we, I think it's dangerous because we are all competing. We are all competing. Like how many people are on Instagram? I don't have the survey for today to tell you how many they are, but, but I did something, uh, as I said, like I was trying to learn and uh, fill the gaps that I felt in my knowledge and skills since the start of September and a couple of really great classes that I've been sitting in are about uh, technology and big tech and platform capitalism Mm -hmm. and um, how the commodifying of web uh, or internet so to just understand what is happening I think it's so important for all of us because I was doing all of these and I thought I know some things. Like I'm also listening to something on Audible about dark web. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously listening to um, Harari about the book called Sapiens of the past and present and future. Like the history of human being. And how did we get to where we got? Yeah. So all of these things that I said are, are teaching me a little bit about how did we get to this? I don't want to call it a bad word, but maybe a mess. So yeah. <laughs> we have created for ourselves to be, and as much as I'm in the digital world and I want to be in this world and work to make it a better place for human, um, for people. So I still believe that you're right. It's dangerous. Uh, we are competing, all of us, because we, are, we have this fear of falling behind, you know? what happens if I fall behind? How do I make my money? Uh, do people hire me again? Or all of that is so, so worrisome for all of us that we keep, I think we keep putting this front on. And so 
maybe in one word, yes, I think it's dangerous for me too. Yeah. <laughs> for the for the uh, for this emotional and psychological betterness for all of us, maybe we should once in a while really step back and see what's happening. <laughs> yeah, which I think is hard. I, I think is hard. It's it's um you're, you're sort of so wrapped up in it from minute to minute it's sort of hard to step back and and take a look at it and and see it for what it is but i i've been this, this year towards the end of the last year and this year in particular one of the things that's constantly on my mind is this idea that you have to be perfect and i think that's because i get this question um so often at conferences online in other words where i feel like there's this collective growing unease and, and from for purposes of this conversation among people who are UXers or designers or, or th this idea that at a certain age, okay, or by a certain point in your career that you have to have accomplished this or this or this, or you have to have this knowledge, or you have to know how to use these tools, right? Um, yes. I've been talking to older folks in the last two days who are trying to get back into the workforce and going into UX. And they're like, I, I don't even, I don't feel like I have a shot at all because I can't, learn all these new tools and stuff and this and that. And I'm like, it's killing me. I, I, I'm, I feel like I want to stand on the mountain and scream, take a step back, <laughs> forget about this, this pressure, wherever it's coming from, forget about it, ignore it, pretend it doesn't exist. Leverage what you've got, leverage everything that's brought you to this point in your life and just put it forward. And that's it. And it, it really bothers me that there are all these messages to the contrary, you know, particularly from, from people who are, I, I'm always on this soapbox, but, but pe from people who are industry experts in particular, who, who I feel like in some cases are ratcheting up that pressure. And I think it's, it's not only inaccurate, it's grossly unfair. That is true. I do agree with you. And you have been one of the people that I actually, once in a while, when I have the chance to listen to you, whether it's to read on Facebook or to listen on a podcast or to um, go to Udemy courses that you have, any in any shape or form, when I listen to you, there are some basic pillars in what you say that that actually brings me back, like makes me feel okay. That's okay. Just just calm down, take a breath, see what you said. That's just good to hear. I hope so. That, that's that's kind yeah. of my goal, you know. You know, there's something that I never forget, like, and it's an easy mantra to have, but you say design is design is design. <laughs> I never, yes! I, I, I can hear your voice in my head. So anytime I'm caught somewhere, I tell you something about this. It reminds me of something. I, I started my journey with um, fine arts, with drawing and painting. Mm -hmm. And drawing became the staple of my work because drawing is so, uh, I feel it's much more pure than uh, than painting. Uh, you see everything naked in drawing. Yeah. There's not much to hide behind. Yeah. Um, so I had really good drawing teachers and some, like, they're, they're prominent in my life, one of them especially. So anytime in the design school that I would fall short, this is not something that everybody would know, but I would go back to my drawing skill. I would pull from that and I and I would think... How would I solve this with, with my drawing skills, you know? Or sometimes I would think, how would Picasso think at this moment? So mm. <laughs> to go back and, and, th and think some of the basic pillars that you have are always going to come back to help you. So drawing always saved me. Like whether I'm 
drawing, a, uh, like designing a logo. Today I teach at a school, I like last night I was teaching to the kids how to do their monograms, which is like a logo. So drawing has been serving me for many, 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 many years, and it's not going away any soon. So it's like what you said, you learn the basics of design, that's, that's, that keeps coming back to save you. Yeah. And the moment I have forgotten it, when I have been in work outside in the industry, like as in, in a corporation or so when I was working, the moment I forgot my essence, which is all what I have learned, the fear took over me. And I thought, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I really mm. don't know what I'm doing. And I had to step back or out of yeah. that. Yeah. But I know yeah, that I, feeling. I know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's something that is missing. I'm going to sound old. You're not for younger, <laughs> younger generations in particular. Um, I think that you just mentioned drawing. Okay. And, and, yeah. and that's what I'm talking about. I think that is missing from a, a huge gap in design and, and what's now become user experience education. Putting pen on paper is not done nearly enough or often enough or taught as a critical component of how to think, how to get your brain moving. In these programs, I'll give you an example. There, there's, a, there's an exercise that I teach in one of my courses. And I got the same question this morning from a student. And I swear to you, in the last two years, that this, well, longer than that, actually, probably three to five years, this course has been online. I cannot even list the number of times someone has said, what tool do you use to do this? <laughs> and I'm like, there's no tool. <laughs> it's, it's, I just happen to represent it, you know, in visual slide form, but you do this mm -hmm. on a whiteboard, you do it with a marker, you do it with a pen and paper. There's no software required to think. <laughs> For the thinking part. Yeah. And, and, you need to. and it bothers me. And, and I think I'm not picking on any of those people, honest. I, I say that because I, I feel like they're so ingrained to lean towards technology and lean towards tools and lean towards, okay, well, what do I use to do that? That, that yeah. they're, they're sort of stuck right? They don't, they don't have the tools in some way to step back and say, all right, well, let me just pen and paper figure this out. Yeah. Don't you think that might be the byproduct of, for the lack of a better word, I'm going to call, call it a system. The system that wants you to buy into the, to the fact that yes. uh, just like fast fashion, fast food, fast everything and having choices as well, so yeah. I go to Isle of Shampoo. I always say you don't, especially when you're new to some, like I came from Iran to Canada. Mm -hmm. And yes, we do have options. If I go back now after so many years to Iran, it's um, resembling the, the, the situation resembles what we have here because the whole world is kind of resembling each other anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah. but you go to Isle of Shampoo and there's so many different things in the box and you have no idea which one will do what and all of them are saying your hair, hair is going to be full and shiny and straight and I don't know like I, I, whatever it says so it's like all these courses that are online and create this illusion of quickly you can become a design thinker yes yes or quickly you, you're going to become a critical um, thing whatever cr critical thinking design thinking all the buzzwords as well so don't you think it's so easy for people to think if I buy uh, into, and I'm not saying anything bad about any software company or so, no, company X, you me know, either. 
got yeah so i become overnight and and i am saying this and i have that illusion myself because i'm yes i'm new like i'm an older generation but i'm still buying into this whole thing partly partly because i'm i'm grown analog and i have done everything by hand and then i had to as soon as i came out of the university there was no choice you had to do everything by computer yeah even though we have done everything by hand before so i think that the the younger generation or basically everybody is media is so strong that doesn't give you much choice unless if you really cut yourself off for a little little bit and dare to do that <laughs> See, yeah yeah i think that's I? right i i think that's <laughs> right and i've experienced this as well in in a lot of my courses where people want more practical examples right they want more tools they want more processes they want more um silver bullets in a way you know and i, I find myself explaining a lot well that, that, that stuff isn't going to help you. Number one, that ground's been covered, uh, you know, a million ways to Sunday. There are people out there teaching those tools who are better at it than I will ever be. Mm -hmm. right? so, so there's no reason for me to do it, number one. Um, I'm not nearly as well-versed as, as those folks are. But, but the second thing is I don't believe that any of that stuff is a critical inch to your success or, your, or to your career or to your effectiveness in whatever job that you have. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what you do with what's between your ears. I sound like a broken record because I say this every five minutes, it feels like. <laughs> um, it's like become a cliche with me. Um, how you think, basically, it's or how you solve true. problems. It's yeah. true. If you don't have that part, if you can't step back and use that part and access what you're good at, which I think creative people have a natural ability to do that. And I think if you can't step back and access it, you get yourself into trouble where it's, and it's kind of what you described, right? You feel this sort of creeping malaise in a way where you, you just feel stuck. You're not getting anywhere. It's like swimming in mud mm -hmm. and you can't figure out why. And it's, it's like, well, that's when it's time to step away from the screen and step away from all things, digital and tools and processes and methods and agile and lean and scrum and everything else. <laughs> and man, just take a step back and think about what's going on. What's the problem? What can I do about it? Right? What's the very next thing? <laughs> um, so basically, let me just see if I can rephrase what you said and see if I'm correct. And so you do believe, and I do believe that as well. I just want to repeat it so that for us who take a role of teacher mm -hmm. sometime, it's so important to, to have the insight that we need to teach our students thinking the thinking process, yeah. Yeah. not the making necessarily, because that part they can, they, there are resources, for example, Adobe Creative Cloud sure. has amazing resources right now sure. to teach you themselves and Linda and Udemy and mm -hmm. Skillshare and everybody else out there is going to, and YouTube free, you know, so you can go all of these resources and learn how to work with Illustrator or Photoshop or in design, whatever, you name it, or for UX reasons to with, um, I don't know, Sketch or um, Azure or whichever. Sure, sure, sure. But the, what I learned, and it took a long time to learn this, is how do I become creative? Mm. What is the process of creativity? What is the process of problem solving? How do I break this down so that I can solve it easier and in a systematic way? 
And I have learned some of these in designer school when we worked with hand. And then I had to, I think one way of learning something really good is to teach it. And yeah, teach it 10 absolutely. times, 20 times. So. Absolutely. Yeah, or, or do a lecture on it. And then I read keep... that somewhere recently where somebody said, you know, people think teaching is, is all about expertise. Teaching is also about learning. The best way to learn something is to teach it. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Oh, I, you can't imagine. I have to. I was talking uh, to some of my um, loved ones recently, uh, my brother in particular, and uh, he was asking, so do you have to do a lot of work, being that you have been teaching the same course for eight years or so now? And I said, believe it or not, I kind of have to because I have yeah. this bug in me that I have to keep tweaking because I never am happy with everything that I have done and I think I need to be better this needs to be better this is falling short (laughs) plus the the industry keeps changing as well but as I learn every term from students from my mistakes I learn I learn Mm -hmm. and I read more I look more I you know watch the the experts in the industry you know or the ones that are ahead of me basically let's call it that way and I, I change it, you know. So, yeah, it's a continuous learning uh, when you're teaching. To me, that's what it has been. Mm-hmm. So that, that drive, that need to constantly improve, to change, to revise, to be better, right, in some way, <laughs> is that something that you feel you have cultivated over time? Or is that something that you were sort of born with, that motivation? that need um if i want to tell you the truth i believe um, and this then this doesn't help anybody probably but i believe (laughs) to a good extent i have been born with this Um, it is it has been manifesting itself um, in different parts of my life but but when i there are times that i'm all of a sudden falling short and i feel down and then i remember that feeling like mm. I go back and I say, remember that art show that you put on and you didn't believe that you can do it and you did it. Like I'm not saying all of those phrases. I just I'm trying to describe it here. How would I go back? Uh, I was listening to Joe Dispenza that probably a lot of people know his name, but if they don't know, um, they can easily find him. He was saying that you become what you think. Mm. So. I try to repeat that experience in my brain because you're, you can fool your brain, I believe, and you can tell it, so remember that high that you had? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yep. Go back and replay that, remake that. You know, you can do it. So I become my own cheerleader. Um, earlier we were talking about the gym schedule and stuff like that. So I literally sometimes say, you have to kick yourself in the butt and go. You got to go. It's like 7.30 at night. There's a weightlifting class. You got to go. Even if it's like minus 10 degrees outside and it's windy and it's drizzling and it's, oh, I don't want to get out of the house. (laughs) You got to go, you know, and I don't have a car. Let me tell you this much as well. I have to walk. It's not too far. It's not too far to go. But I'm not one of those that sits in the car, doesn't see the rain or the snow and stuff like that. And go. I go, I go out and I get a little bit of it. Like when I step out of the house, I feel there is air. And I'm so happy that I came. And when I come out of that class at the end, I say, I did it. I did that one hour. So I, your brain can remember that high, you know, yeah. that, that good feeling. So for anybody who doesn't have that innate um, curiosity or drive, 
maybe they can go back to their mind to see when was it that that curiosity served them and made them feel really good or that achievement and try to replay that and then maybe that helps to come back to a place that you want to you want to thrive you got we want to go forward you know yeah. you didn't come this somebody said something really nice the other day said you didn't come this far to stop here you know <laughs> so. yeah 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 and i agree with all that i agree with all that and it makes it makes perfect sense um just, just because by way of personal relation it's something that i do when i'm exhausted and when i'm burnt like when i fly i have noticed at, at this point jet lag is a lot harder than it used to be <laughs> right which i guess is you you get a little bit older and and uh, your body sort of changes a little bit but a lot of times i mean i had a lot of instances last year in particular where i was traveling a lot where i, I was just done i mean it, my body and my brain were just shot and i i, I call it method acting it's it's kind of like you remember the last time that you felt really good and sane mm. and well rested and sharp <laughs> And, and you act like that. <laughs> and pretty soon, and pretty soon what happens is you sort of become that in a way. You know what I mean? The, the fog lifts, your body feels better, your brain feels like it's, it's firing on all cylinders again. So I, I, I totally get your point. I think, that's, I think it's really accurate. And I think that part of it, aside from being born with you know, a certain intrinsic motivation, I think that part of it is something that can be learned and exercised and um, and built and reinforced. I do believe so too. So tell me when when you said that you try to do that method acting, um, <laughs> but you you do that immediately when you're really tired, or do you really replenish a little bit and then you go back to that stage where you you can do better? So how do you go about it? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I do the former <laughs> more than I do the latter. I, I don't, mm -hmm. I'm very bad. I'm going to admit this out loud. I'm very bad at doing things that are probably beneficial to my, to my okay. physical health, my emotional health, my mental health in that um, I don't stop. I'm the person who, as much as I know I should get up and move and go do something else, especially when I'm feeling stuck. Mm-hmm. My natural tendency, and this has gotten better with age, but it's still, I still haven't beat it. Um, my thing is I'll sit there and stare at it and f try and force it to work <laughs> until, mm. I'm, until I'm stressed and frustrated and <laughs> beat. And, uh, you know, and then you're demotivated at that point. Um, that's a really bad habit of mine. I don't go to the gym even though it makes me feel better as often as I should. Some weeks it's three days, some days it's one day, uh, mm -hmm. some days it's been four occasionally, but a lot of times it's like once. <laughs> and there's no excuse, there's no reason. It's not that I don't have time, it's not that I can't make time. It's this weird stubbornness of like, oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta push through this stuff and, and it just like make it work. I don't know what that is. It's a, I'm very unforgiving with myself, I think is what part of the problem is. I'm, I'm going to make a guess here. I'm going to make a guess that you're, you are a busy and a responsible person. Like you have responsibilities to fulfill, which means you can't drop everything and go do something that you love to do necessarily. Uh, I, I, I right do and that? I don't. I do and I don't. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have a lot more free time <laughs> and I have a lot more control over the things that I do and the things that I take on. Than, than maybe a parent. I'm really fortunate, okay, in that respect. 
what I think is, and I think what I'm saying overall is that I don't really fully take advantage of the freedom that I have, of the control <laughs> that I have, because I insist that, well, no, I got to sit here and stare at this screen for another two hours and make these words appear, you know, or make this, <laughs> this course curriculum write itself or, or, you know, write the script for this video or respond to these student questions or whatever it is. There's time enough for all that. Okay, but, but there's a point of diminishing return where you realize that you've expended a lot of energy and you haven't done anything to put anything back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and I, I really don't do enough of that. And that's nobody's fault but mine. <laughs> I guess with, with time comes experience as well. So you probably, when you're aware of it, that's, isn't that the most important part of every change that you're actually aware of what's happening? Yeah. So, so that's the first step. And so, by the time I'm 55, conscious. I'll actually do something about it. <laughs> Be that, you know, the, the human life expense, uh, expectancy is gone so high, so that you still have a lot of time, Joe. Okay. You know that. <laughs> I feel so much better about all this now. There you go. Well, I, I, I actually have thought of going. I, but one of the things I love, it's very un, unrelated, is psychology. Well, the only thing I've done so far is like reading pop psychology or listening to pop psychology. But I keep thinking in my mind, like maybe I should go study psychology, mm-hmm. like even if it's a two-year like graduate degree, something, something. Interesting. Maybe I'm good. I felt I'm good at talking to people and keep conversing, and then I'm very interested to know what's going on in their mind mm-hmm. and in their life, and then maybe cheerleading them a little bit at some point if yeah. I can. So, which, as you said, is what what I try to do sometimes through social media. Even if I, when I'm when I'm scared myself, when I or I feel that I haven't done what I had to do, or like you know all of those negative feelings that come to you, I still try to. I mean, I learned from um, learning and uh, from other people, from reading and stuff to try to put a positive spin until it becomes positive. Louise Hay would say, fake it until you make it. Yeah. Like fake this positive feeling until you, it becomes your reality. Yeah. Yep. You know, so maybe I should go to psychology and then cheer other people up a little bit. So. <laughs> uh, I think you already do that. I think you already do that. Um, I've always felt that that's, that's part of my responsibility um, as well to do that. I mean, I, absolutely. I, yeah. The older I get, especially you, you become more clear about, about what matters most to you, right? Where your value is, mm-hmm. what you want to spend your time doing. And, um, in particular, a podcast interview I did last year, um, with a good friend of mine who's, who's been my lawyer for a million years, but he's just a hell of a human being. Uh, Elliot Wagenheim is his name. Mm-hmm. And, um, he has this thing, it's called, So Here's My Story. And he just invites guests to, to, to tell a story, right? To start with a story, something you felt was, was important or formative or, or relevant to your life. And we're just winging it, right? And I tell the story about how when I was in high school and I wanted to do something artistic and creative, and I grew up in a small town, my high school guidance counselor looked at me and said, well, your best bet is probably to join the army. Like in other words, you're a dreamer, artist for like losers and, and dreamers and, and the world isn't like that. And, you know, a very small, narrow-minded mentality. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of told him to go to hell and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and chose graphic design out of the catalog as it sounded close. And I'm like, fine, I'm just going to do this uh, and got extraordinarily lucky. But 
what I realized last year when we were having this conversation is that that story has motivated a tremendous amount of what I've done in my professional life, which is at the end of the day, I think what I want most, if I'm honest, I want to be the person who is saying to everybody else, you can do this. Okay. Mm. And I am in your corner. If no, if you feel like the rest of the world is telling you you're absolutely out of your mind, know that I am in your corner. One person, right? I believe in it. Right? I believe that it's possible because it was possible. My own life has proven to me that it's possible. And I, I really, really, um, as time goes on, I take that really, really seriously. Um, so I totally get what you're saying. And I think maybe that's part of our job for all of us to different degrees as human beings, you know, to, to lift each other up, to put things out there into Absolutely. the world that, that say, no, you know what? You're okay. Just the way you are. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think some of us take this on more serious and as a role. Uh, and some people maybe are not much interested to do that, but you certainly are one of those who have done that and are doing that continuously. Um, and I have said this story to you, and it's it, it sounds like repetitive to you if I say it again and again, but maybe for people who are out there, it might be fun or interesting to hear that um, I, I transitioned from graphic design to uh, UX design, mm -hmm. you know, like actually I transitioned from being a graphic. I had my own business as and I called myself creative, creative director because, well, I was doing everything from A to Z for my own business. And the, the best title among those was creative director. So I picked that one. So yes, it's a, it's a um, shiny title, but it didn't mean that I wasn't the graphic designer and the production person and the person who goes talk to everybody, blah, right. blah. So anyways, that aside, I was feeling really worried that I'm falling behind because every job title out there was changing from, um, like I, I was just having an eye in the corner to see what's happening outside if I want to transition from working for myself because I was getting, um, I, I was hitting the wall. I wasn't very aware of how to hire a second person. I didn't like to do the business part of my work. Like I didn't like to do um, bookkeeping and <laughs> Fun. scheduling things. And oh my God, I hate bookkeeping. So I, I, if, if you tell me do do Joe's bookkeeping, I'd do it. And I have done it for you <laughs> in a small scale. I know. <laughs> so I, I don't mind that. If, if I have like one million things in the world and then you give me your job to do, I'm cool. I'll go do that. But if, if it's for me, I want to do everything else that I like better than, than doing that, of course. Yeah. So, so I had my eye on a, on a job market to see what's happening out there. And then all the job titles were changing from being creative director, art director, senior designer to uh, UI UX designer. Mm. And as much as I kind of knew what UI is, I, I didn't know what UX means. And I, it got me really worried little by little. So, <laughs> and it was, and I had a little bit of background in this because I did years back, I did my thesis for university based on Jacob Nelson's book of usability. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I luckily came across. But for years, I didn't touch this industry. I didn't know anything about it. And I was just being a graphic designer and as good as I could be in that. And then uh, in 2014, it was around Christmas, I follow or I get newsletters from somebody called J Jacob Kess, which has a newsletter called Just Creative. Mm -hmm. um, and 
he generously puts a ton of information every time he sends this newsletter out. And what I, because I get many newsletters in one of my mailboxes, I don't look at every one of them. But this one, once in a while I open that one because I'm curious to see what he is recommending. And he said, this, this, this newsletter was about courses on Udemy that are on sale. And he said there are few courses that you want to look into. It's, it's, they are very good. And they're like, this one is about UX strategy and design. And it was your course, Jonah Tully's course. <laughs> wow. So I didn't know a Jonah Tully, of course. And, but there was a Photoshop course. There was a, a After Effect course. It was your course. And I don't remember if there was a fourth one or not. But I went online to Udemy. I didn't know what Udemy is. I don't think by then. Mm-hmm. And I went online and the courses were about, I think your course was at initially $299 and it was down to for if 24 hours or something. It was like 10 bucks, yep. something around that $10.99 or something. And yeah, like I quickly, flash sale, yeah. <laughs> I quickly emailed a bunch of friends, not just myself. Some, <laughs> some were not related to this field somewhere, but I told them, Udemy has a big sale. And to one of them, I, I said this very course because she was a graphic designer struggling, wanting to come out of her own, like a lower paying job to go somewhere that is more successful and stuff like that. So, and she had done web design more than I did at that point. So both of us bought your course. And this course both transitioned both of us, to, like catapulted us to, to UX industry. So I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, but it did. So I, I always say the ten dollars. Well, doesn't matter, ten ninety nine, whatever. <laughs> Call it fifteen dollars, whatever it is. The fifteen dollar course that I got from Jonah Tully, and if I want to be honest, I didn't watch the whole thing. It was, uh, I watched about half of it, and then I worked on my portfolio and stuff, and. I went to a situation just to just to talk to somebody in the company that I got hired in. Mm-hmm. I wasn't applying for a job. And I was given a job. Yeah. I was given a job oh, based my. on that and the, the the amount of learning that I had from you and the confidence. So all of this said to come back. First of all, a huge thank you to you. You're welcome. A huge thank you. I'm always gra- grateful for um, getting to know you. And then second that you are doing that mission that you are, you said you're doing. You have changed life of many people. I'm 100% sure. I can't be, me and my friend can't be the only story here. So, I, And I'm, I'm grateful to hear that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I truly am. And I, and I do, and I am very lucky in that people tell me these kinds of things quite often. I, I'm not very good at... <laughs> accepting it <laughs> but um it does it does mean a great deal to me and it's important to me that people have these experiences and the question i want to ask you in return mm-hmm. is that okay you had experiences up to that point right obviously yeah. in fine art and design to different yeah. degrees when you took the course okay and yeah. you were exposed to the things at least in the first half of the course because a lot of that is strategy and thinking yes. and, and then it goes into information architecture and design and things like that but how much of it felt to you like, like, yeah, okay, this is kind of the same thing. As in comparing to... As opposed to walking into something and saying, design. this is a foreign country. I don't know anything about this. It's, it's completely foreign. I don't mm-hmm. get it. I can't relate to it. In other words, how much of what you had done up to that point... Very similar to... Sort of prepared you or made you feel like, yeah, okay, I get this. 
I get this. Mm-hmm. I've seen this before. We just called it something else. A lot of it is similar, but because the terminology, not only in what you have taught, but mm-hmm. in general in the industry, the terminology is different. Sure. There, P- that, principles, though, concepts. Yes, the principles. So that's what I pulled from myself. And then your, uh, your framing, you framed things a bit different and then organized it for us, you know, mm-hmm. for me. It kind of made a lot of sense that, oh, this is very similar to what I have done before. Right. So was what um, Jacob Nelson has said in his book of usability, that is still probably as valid after 20 years or so, that I found, oh, my God, this is what we are doing on paper or on print, in print, right. Right. is the same. Is, is The mentality is the same. People have to be able to read this from this distance, for example. Well, we were doing it for billboard and poster before. Right. Now you have to do it for this small screen. It's an ergonomic concern. It's the same. Yeah. Design is design is design. Design is design is design is design. <laughs> so, so yours was a little bit because I needed, I was transitioning to a corporate world that I didn't have the jargon for or the mentality of, I have, I've met a lot of clients when I ran a business, I, I had to, I wasn't scared of sitting in front of some group of people. I would sit with client, sometimes three of them, sometimes one, sometimes a boardroom. So I was very good on my feet. I was very good in talking to people, communicating, understanding what they need. But you framed it so that it was more towards getting ready for going to a place where people are speaking more corporate language or they have certain terminology that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. Now, I also say this as well. I watched this really interesting video from um, Pablo Stanley from Envision. Who I love. I don't know if you have come across. I love Pablo. Do you know him? Yeah. uh, Just online, okay? I know him through Twitter. Yeah. Um, And we exchange, you know, comments and messages every once in a while. I just, I love the guy. He's a wonderful, wonderful human being. He is, and I have learned things. Like I, I, I learned a lot of tricks and stuff that he was teaching about a sketch. So um, he has a talk. Maybe people can watch it, or maybe they have watched it. It's called "The Faker You Are, The More Successful You Can Be." So I'm writing it down. Yes, the faker you are, the more successful you can be. It's like a, I think it's early or mid. 2019 he had that talk so i have listened to half of it but not all of it i have to go and listen to the rest of it i i I saved it but pablo is so funny as well and he you know this is because i learned from him how to work in a sketch and i know he knows what he's talking about yeah but the the fact that he comes and says these jargons and these i don't know he said something funny he said it seems that we have to keep making maps as if we are lost empathy maps and this map and that (laughs) so make sure that you make some maps in the middle so i i think part of this is uh, i'm hoping everybody's listening to this is part of our our industry i have learned early on as soon as i stepped into a user experience design a strategist so that's the role that i had because i was 
doing my own business and mm-hmm. I was in touch with client and stuff, they thought she's good for becoming a designer strategist because she has to sit with the business part of the things. Like mm-hmm. she has to sit with the stakeholders and understand them and then translate that to design. So she can become, that's, that's what designer strategy is in my mind. You yeah. have to understand yeah. what's needed whether it's for the owner of that business or for the user end user of that business and then translate it to a touch like a tangible language for your design paths that are sitting on the other side so um what was i again lost my train of thought because (laughs) i I went to somewhere else in the middle of it so i said so what was i saying about that i got here so they 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 thought that i'm good at sitting in there but there's a lot of foggy things in the middle as well you have to yeah, learn that course. jargon and but but when you go in there you you understand that just like as you said like in your course there's a lot of parallels there's a lot of parallels between being a designer be, sitting in front of your clients as a designer and then going to that boardroom and understanding what these people are saying and i think we have to keep sticking to that core because when we lose that core then things become bad but oh, this is what i wanted to say that part of our business in this design and marketing kind of industry has always been to be ready to change and evolve and show yourself as something else because otherwise we we go out of jobs you know <laughs> we have to we have to stay relevant yeah to what's happening in the world so because of that i remember i came to canada and the first things i was learning was about branding so branding was a big word. You had to put it on your business card. Mm. You had to have it on your portfolio. That sure. y- you do branding, you know, and collateral and blah, blah. And then after that, the big word that I remember was the buzzword was design thinking. <clears throat> Before yeah. design thinking was a thing in UX, it was a thing in design. Like I, Yeah, I right. It's not, none of this is new. No. <laughs> so you just have to learn. Like I, I felt that, oh my God, we are those same people. We're just framing ourselves something else. That's a scary, but but it's... Uh, <laughs> Everything old is new again. You know? <laughs> but we have to learn that to stay relevant, I think. So, so, yeah, there is a lot of parallel between what you teach and the old, like, analog world of design that I have been in, I think. It's just that we have to, we have to understand that and keep the core strong and then, then learn everything. Like, there, there, it's like a basic core and then you have a lot of um web coming out of it so that you yes you have to absorb you have to add there are right. new technology that you have to learn about but but um i don't know if that's what you are hoping for that your course is actually similar to the previous concepts that a designer or well i just think I, I i mean you're I, I don't know that i'm i'm hoping for anything but you're you're describing exactly what I believe all this to be in, in everything that I do and everything that I think everybody does. Mm-hmm. There are a million good instructors out there. Okay. There, you mentioned Pablo. Um, you know, they're all the folks I talk to on Twitter on a daily basis. Um, yeah. you know, Nick Fink, Doug Collins, um, Alan Cooper. I mean, from, from luminaries to just, you know, people who are maybe lesser, lesser known, but still doing amazing work. I think to me, the common core of all of it is exactly what you're talking about, which is there's a core of truth of sort of universal, timeless truth to all of this. And the only thing that really changes is the periphery. The only thing that changes is the methods, the tools, the, the, the things that become available to us. 
the yes. delivery methods. Yes. You know, um, every week of my life, I get asked, you know, do you think UX as a profession is going to become obsolete? It's like, no. How can it? Okay, <laughs> no, because you're looking at the wrong things. Anyone who writes those articles or thinks those thoughts, you're looking at the wrong things. You're attributing the wrong things to UX or design. It's not about the tools. It's not about the methods. It's not about the processes. It's not about the delivery. It's not about AI versus manual coding or, or any of these types of things. It's about the core of understanding how human beings think and why they react emotionally, uh, physiologically uh, to certain things. You know, why their behavior is what it is. It's making things understandable, palatable. It's guiding, it's teaching, you know, it's motivating. That stuff, as long as we continue to be fully human, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think any of that ever goes away. And, and so I guess part of, of what I'm doing, what I think a lot of the best, uh, or, or and I shouldn't say that because I don't want to include myself in that category. I, I, some of the most valuable lessons that I see folks imparting out there, some of the people that I follow, the people that um, I am just really over the moon impressed with are people who are sort of always operating at that core. You have to evolve, but you have to remain true to what you know, you know, to, to how this works. You got to remember what it's all about in the first place. And that is human beings. That is, I think I, I can't agree more with you. And as you were talking, something else also um, was coming to my mind that I, I think from Years before, when I started to go to design school, after design school, I have done a few times of that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I feel that if I learned anything, the design became um, more of a science now for me. Mm-hmm. As I said, the problem-solving methods, the creativity, how to get to that creative point. And I'm not saying I am all that creative or all, like I, I know it all. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that has been an evolving journey that I have learned that design has become more of a science maybe in a collective sense for all of us maybe before it was more experimental just like UX was a few years ago as as I got to this company everybody said don't worry we are all learning nice so I think a few years later things got a little bit more solid but uh, it's just a natural journey I think and sometimes the younger generation, especially ones in US, UX, I don't know how much in touch they are with previous designers, like design masters. For example, I think an, an amazing teacher can be Massimo Vignelli. That's where my quote comes from. Which one was that? Design, design, is, design, design is, is design is design. There you go. Just like he, he's, he's, <laughs> he's my, my guidepost because he was the one that said, if you can design one thing well, you can design anything well. There you go. I have to get that one thing well first. <laughs> I firmly believe that. <laughs> go, go to the next one. But you look at the subway system manual that he put, like there's something called, you know, the Canon, uh, Massimo Vignelli's yes. Canon. Yes. To look at those things for the young people, to, uh, to him, to anybody else, uh, the, the, who's the guy we call embodiment of graphic design, the, the gentleman from New York. Paul, I love. You thinking of Paul New Rand? York. Paul Rand as well, um, Paul Milton Rand Glazer himself as well. Milton Glazer, yeah. Glazer. I still show uh, Milton Glazer's interviews. Well, he's he's still with us, mm-hmm. uh, thankfully. I, I wish one day I could see him in person and flesh. But all of these people, I don't know 
how much the design schools are telling people, or especially the UX industry, telling people to go and look at these. Because you look at subway system mapping that they have done. It's wayfinding. Yeah. It's it's like interaction design. You have to do everything like you're doing in UX, you know? Absolutely. And even better. <laughs> Absolutely. It's all the same principles. Absolutely all the same principles. I, I don't think that's being taught. I'll be honest with you. I don't know for sure. I'd be really curious to find out, but I don't think that's being taught, and I think that's a mistake. To your point, there's a direct connection between the work of, you know, the people we consider masters uh, in the world of graphic design. Mm-hmm. And the world of really good, really solid, really uh, human-centered, empathetic uh, user experience mm-hmm. and visual design, UI design, interaction design. I, I think it's there's there are tremendous parallels. And then I'm sure the industrial designers, the architects, all Same. of those, you Same. know, yeah. I mean, I mean, we have to pull from the previous ones and the current ones because there can't be a disconnect like that because they are all. You know, what we call product design was the industrial design terminology, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. I can't believe that that's a new, that's, that's, that's like a new term now. <laughs> yes, like, exactly. I, I, I wonder, product design was I wonder, product design a million years ago. I mean, what are you talking about? How, how did, I, I wonder how the actual industrial design product designers feel about this. We never ask them. Yeah, I'm so. curious. I'm curious myself. And, and I, I, like I said, I, I take that Vignelli quote to heart. I have always felt, and, and this is going to sound arrogant, and it's not the way I mean it, but I'm going to say it anyway because I think it's important. I think that if you truly understand design, if you truly understand design as a practice focused on human beings and human behavior, I think you can design anything. I think you can it's as easily design a user interface or an interactive experience or simply thinking about an information structure or a physical product that someone holds in their hands or a tool that someone uses to pound a nail Um, I think that you have the capability to design all that equally well. I really do. The only difference is in the execution. It's in materials, right? It's processes. It's understanding methods. It's understanding production methods, for example. You know, when I was in, started out in graphic design, one of the things you had to learn is how ink goes down on paper, the physical process of it, right? How printing presses work. Yeah. Um, of all different types, right? From screen printing to web printing, you know, four color process, all that kind of stuff. I think this is all the same, whether we're talking about code or whether you're talking about ink on paper, it's, it's all a matter of the part that you have and the part that stays with you and the part that makes you good is that core that you were talking about before. Everything else is periphery and process and production methods. To me, I may be oversimplifying things, but, but that's well, what maybe, I believe. But for, for people who are uh, younger than us and listening, I think to come to that start part, to, to be good at design, I, I think they need to understand that that takes a good long time. Yeah. That doesn't happen yes. overnight. It, it, it involves seeing, listening, uh, observing other people who are doing this and doing it. You cannot go... And do, I know today, I know that until I'm not putting pencil on paper or solving a problem or designing a website or designing an app or whatever feature set I want to do, I'm not going to learn it. And I have to do it so many times until I become good. That's yeah, how we learned, right? Agreed. Agreed. Anything. So that, that should be also, I think, going along with what you said, 
you, you first do all of that hard work because without that hard work, you don't come to the point to be able to design one thing good. Therefore, you won't be able to do anything good. Yeah, after agreed. That. I agree. So you have to do the hard work. It does. It's not a pill. It's not an overnight thing. And no, it takes years. And you have to keep having this mindset that I, I am here to keep learning and keep evolving and getting better. And maybe just I add one more thing. I know our time is also probably to the end. Oh, uh, that's okay. Good conversations go as long as they need to. <laughs> there, there's a very good book, um, I mean, at least in my opinion, Change by Design, <clears throat> a book by Tim Brown. I don't know if you have ever came across that one. I've heard of it. It's a book, uh, Tim Brown from IDO, mm -hmm. um, and they, 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 I believe they are all, like the people who put IDO together are all designers um, at core. Yeah. And this one is the revised and updated version that I have listened to because I listen to books more than I read them. Um, and it actually tells the designers that how much possibilities are in the future, like where we, what we have to evolve to now, as in, our job as it is, if you learned to design and solve problems, then you have to think a little bit bigger now. Like for us to stay in, in this industry, yes, we do need graphic designers. Yes, we do need web designers. But to solve humanity's problems that are out there, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. how to have things. So that goes along with um, what is the other book that I uh, really liked by... Um, the Norman Nielsen, uh, the other gentleman, Don Norman, the design of everyday things. Like yeah. you, you start absorbing what these people are saying and putting it together and understanding. You, if you are a good designer, you, you can first of all you can do design many good things. Like once you're good, you probably can put your brain to do many other things as well. But then let's think about the fact that we can solve bigger problems, and lend our brain to, to bigger problems in the world like how to have a better better school classes yeah. i don't know but yeah. you you name the pro yeah. problems that are around us so that you can go beyond being just a designer that is sitting in front of the computer and you know just just pushing mouse here and there so basically not just a production person but yeah. a thinker yeah. stop yeah. reacting take a step back from the constant pressure to to produce, you know, to, to create artifacts, <laughs> to yes. map everything in existence um, and, and think, take a step back and think. And that's, I, I think that's all really, really true. And I think it speaks to what you were saying before. In order to get really good at something, it takes time. It takes time and it takes effort. And a lot of that effort is not physical in nature. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's doing and experiencing and thinking and, and really digging into to problems and, and sort of working them, you know, relentlessly over and over and over again. And the, the, the more you do that, the more automatic some of this stuff comes later on down the line, I think, because your brain is used to working that way and your heart and your emotions are involved too, right? Are used to working Absolutely. that way. Absolutely, yeah. I, a couple of years back, I ventured back into print design, magazine design. I had the opportunity to be a partner in a magazine mm. called Dinosaur. And one of the things that really shocked me, and this is the right word, shocked, <laughs> was when I started designing these page layouts for these stories, it blew me away how natural it was 
<laughs> for me to sort of look at photographs, read the article that the author had written, and just sort of have these visual decisions and visual ideas come to me in droves. It was so automatic and so, uh, I don't know what the word for it is. It was so flowing and so natural in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It was clear. My vision was really, really clear. No matter how many different topics we had, because um, we covered all sorts of things, you know, from like heavy metal singers to art exhibits to <laughs> different. Um, it was all over the place. Magazine now. <laughs> but I just, it, it really stunned me how, how sort of um, natural it was for me to adapt and move from one sort of topic and idea to the next and be able to make the design really appropriate to that subject matter, you know, to that content. And I think that is that as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I think that's the direct result of what you're talking about. It's a lot of time over the target <laughs> yeah. using those skills and, and refining them and improving them. And it's not easy. It's not easy. You, 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 you make a lot of mistakes. You know, there's a lot of wrong turns. <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> yeah, but that's the only way you learn. How else can we learn? Yeah. And so you, what you were saying reminded me of something. I don't recall if a famous person said this or not, but certainly a designer told me or repeated this to me that design exists. You just have to find it. <laughs> I, like so what you said reminded me of that wow. that it actually it wow. seems to me that you just are finding the places to put things in there you know yeah that's what it felt like that's what it felt like I, it's i could not believe it but and and i'll tell you what i think i'm trying to say by and large in that story is i was how old was i when i did that that was i was 49 at the time i don't think i would have been able to do that in the way that i did it to that depth and to that degree of maybe um, appropriateness is, is the word that I'm thinking of. I don't think I would have been able to do it that way 10 years prior or, or mm-hmm. certainly longer. I, I really don't. I don't think I would have had the, the skills or the, or the, I don't know, whatever, uh, whatever that is. I don't think, I don't think I possessed it. Well, obviously that. that came with all the hard work that you have done, right? Yeah. Or the amount of experience you have accumulated. Yeah. And I think it's also, this just came in my mind, and it's funny because I was thinking about this before we talked today. When I spoke in Canada and you and I met, mm-hmm. uh, you gave me a wonderful small piece of artwork <laughs> that is, is to this day one of my prized possessions, and it's, it's, it sits in my studio, it sits right behind me, and every time I walk into this room, I look at it when I walk in and I look at it when I leave. <laughs> and the reason is because part of the, you know, the words, the inscriptions that, that's on there, it says... Two of the words are, are be brave. Yeah, that's what it says. <laughs> okay. And that to me, it's, it's, it's a reminder. It's a signpost. It's a, just a, a reminder that, look, no matter what is going on, no matter whether you can see your way out or not, whether it's personal, professional, or otherwise, the key component is that. It's courage. It's bravery. It's a willingness to face all that. Very much. And, and keep coming back to it. Very, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm honored. Well, I need to thank you for that. You don't know how, how important it is. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm, I'm honored that it's, uh, it's actually always an honor when your work travels with somebody and it stays with them. And yeah. especially if somebody says that, I'm actually looking at this and it means something. <laughs> so thank you for that. But a, um, this is something interesting. Two, three years ago when I started that journey of doing, um, they're called meditation miniatures. Mm-hmm. what you're talking about if 
if it's okay that uh, if I talk about sure, that of a course, bit, of where course. that came from. Um, I was going through something in my own life, a personal um, bump, let's call it. And uh, at the same time, I was working um, at my UX strategy. I was the strategist at this insurance investment company, mm -hmm. which was um, an amazing company as well. But it was a full-time job. Like you had to be there mentally and physically. And so it was a lot of pressure as well as the fact that I normally have to teach something. Like I have as in I chose to teach. I don't want to let that go. It's important for me. So I, when I came to that part of my life where there was a stressful situation, uh, I, for a few months first, I really was like down and didn't know what to do and um, thought, okay, I need to get up. As I said, I have this motivation in me that, I, and thankfully, actually, it was summer. I wasn't teaching at that moment. I, anything I could use, like batteries had to be charged by seeing the sun going mm -hmm. outside, mm -hmm. as well as going to work but at work you should not show what's happening right you can't afford yeah. to, <laughs> to yeah, show everybody yeah, yeah. so what happened is i um I, I thought art this is where you have to go back you need to meditate and you need to do art and you just need to somehow get yourself out of this um, emotional situation that you have you are right now so i started by painting i went bought as many if i go take a picture down the stairs there's like a line up of canvases and they are huge canvases i bought acrylic paint canvases uh, like uh, painted my whole uh, i don't know uh, garage so that i have a studio all of this has been done mm. and i started by doing some large paintings and i understood oh my god to do the drawing for this first painting it took me this long this is not meditative this is not going anywhere <laughs> so <laughs> I, I changed I changed direction I said stop drop this perfectionist uh, mentality that you have not only you're help, trying to help yourself but at the same time you want to be perfect and it has to be this size and yeah, so I dropped yeah. everything and I bought this little uh, box of watercolors um, at half price actually it was a Windsor Newton <laughs> tiny box of $12 or no $20 it's usually 40 yeah and I, the funny thing as well that I bought it for my mom because I wanted to encourage her to paint oh at my, first. Oh, my. How funny. Because I'm thinking, I'm not a watercolorist. I'm not doing this. So I buy this and I put it, shove it in her suitcase so that she doesn't see because she doesn't accept gifts as easy. <laughs> like She's like, no, no, I don't want this. It's yours. I'm not going to use this. So <laughs> she put it back somewhere and she said, I, I told you don't buy that for me. I said, okay. So this was sitting on my desk and I was thinking, all of a sudden I thought, okay, let's change direction. Instead of doing a 36 by 60 inches work right now, or I don't know, whatever size that huge drawing was, you're going to do something small. So I bought these tiny papers, they were I think a 9 by 12 or something, and the painting usually is about 4 by 6 maximum in the middle of them. So I set a criteria for myself. I said, every day at lunchtime, you go out. It was lucky that it was summer. You go sit somewhere and start doing a painting without thinking what that painting is. Mm. Just pick up this little tiny brush and watercolor kit, go outside, just put paint. And I learned this from one of my teachers in the past. He would say, just the, there was one exercise, don't think, and just throw paint on the paper. So I did. 
And then I started posting these on uh, Facebook at first, social media and uh, Instagram. And I wasn't doing this to sell anything. I wasn't doing this to, I just was trying to heal. And I needed a way to reflect this into the world as well, for some reason. <laughs> so, uh, and people started to follow me for that and started to buy these little paintings. And then a gentleman from um, one of the Eastern European countries that I connected with, um, he, like a mentor, his name is Bata. Bata was looking and kept saying, be brave, be brave. Don't get scared. Don't do these small. Just go large and be brave. And I did that based on what he said. I got this canvas and I just throw black paint everywhere. And then I first did it on the small size, the one that you have. And I wrote his words, so I do, I do remember it, that he says, be brave. Mm. And I did that. I, I made that journey of 52 small miniatures to a show with two large ones, actually. And I called them meditation miniatures. And it was so healing and so rewarding. And I said, sometimes when I fall short, I go back to a feeling of a high that I had in the past. So I remember, you can do it, you know, you can, you can. If you're brave, you can do it. So you gave me some strength in the past to say, be brave. And I, did, I just gave back to you as a token to, to appreciate the fact that we are helping each other. Like you helped. You changed somebody's life to this extent, you know, or batted it. But just saying, be brave. I actually had something in me. I just needed that last push of yeah. somebody to say, go, go forward, be brave, you know. So... I'm glad that you're looking at that. And I know you're a brave person anyway, so you didn't need my, my writing. No, <laughs> so. I think I did. <laughs> I think I did. That's, uh, that's beautiful. I mean, the whole thing is just is beautiful. <laughs> and it's, it's telling and it's necessary. I, I think that um, this is what we're here for. That's <laughs> what we're here for. Well, we've, we've pushed past our limit, but I don't care. This has all been really really wonderful and I'm, I'm really anxious to get it out there honestly because it's been an incredible conversation so to wrap up instead of the typical hot seat questions um that i do i just want to give you one okay because i love where this conversation is right now and i kind of want to keep it there if you had one piece of advice to give anybody and i usually say you know if it's a young person entering this profession or any other profession, but it could be an older person too, okay? Someone who is maybe changing paths in their life or in their career um, and is thinking, all right, what's my second act gonna be? What's the one piece of advice that, that you would give somebody who, who comes to you with that kind of that dilemma? I say what I said to myself a few months ago, you only live once. You are given this chance only and only once. Just remember that. Yeah. Does it worth letting it go to something you don't like or you're scared of, you know? I felt I need a break. I need to replenish. I need to attend to my wellness because I only have one physical body and one soul and one brain and one emotional being, you know? And we are deserving. We are all deserving to take... That body is deserving of us taking care of it. So... I think we are only we only given one life. Don't forget that and be brave. Just like you said about that painting. So be brave. 
Hita, this has been absolutely wonderful. I could probably talk to you for another three hours. <laughs> um, if if uh, time permitted, I can't thank you enough for this time uh, being with me. And I, I certainly look forward to talking to you again soon. Me more. Thank you so much, Joe. It has been so exciting to get to know you in person when you came to London to get to take your courses. The help, I didn't even talk about that, the help you did when I was in Iran to provide me with, with material that I so much needed at the last minute. Uh, I'm so thankful, grateful to have you as my mentor, circle of friends, whatever you want to call it. So it's pleasure all the way. Thank you so much for it. Uh, you're welcome. And I am honored to have you in my life as well. Thank you. Until next time. Bye for now. That wraps up this edition of Making UX Work. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope that hearing these stories gives you some useful perspective, some encouragement. And I certainly hope that you remember that you are not alone out there. Whatever you're dealing with, someone else has been there. And just like you will, they have found a way to make it work. Before I go, I want to ask you to please check out our sponsor, Stash Studio. Once again, a streetwear clothing brand focused on quality products with a positive message, inspired by the resilience to turn a negative situation into a positive outcome. Visit stash.studio to learn more. I also want you to know that you can find links to our guests' social media profiles, websites, and other things that they have accomplished by visiting givegoodux.com slash podcast, where you will also find links to more UX resources on the web and social media, along with ways to contact me if you're interested in sharing your own story here. Until next time, this is Joe Natoli reminding you that it is people like you that make UX work. <laughs>